From Arcturus to Armand Bayou. I remember making paper mache globes in elementary school to commemorate the first Earth Day in 1970. I was nine years old and not much of an artist. An hour's worth of slapping gooey strips of newspaper to a big balloon produced something that looked more like a giant pear than a planet. But I was all in for the holiday nevertheless. In fact, we'd been celebrating Earth Day at my house for quite a while already thanks to my dad, Bruce McCandless II, the first environmentalist I ever knew. My father was a Navy fighter pilot, not the typical tree hugger, and later an astronaut. There were two important influences that brought him to the conservation movement. In December of 1968, the crew of Apollo 8 brought back photographs of the Earth in a single frame, floating like a lonely blue pearl in the blackness of space. The pictures showed my dad and many others how finite, indeed small, our home planet is, and he noted this impression in speeches afterward. He also kept a copy of Rachel Carson's Silent Spring, an early manifesto of the American environmental movement, on the bookshelf in his study. He took its lessons about the devastating effects of DDT to heart. Fred Hayes, of Apollo 13 fame, remembers that on the survival and geology trips the astronauts took in the late 60s, my dad would frequently wander off from the group while searching for critters. Where's Bruce was a common refrain, along with, as the hours wore on, where the hell is Bruce? Because no one could get back to civilization if my dad was AWOL, his colleagues eventually came up with the idea of appointing a Bruce Watcher to keep him from disappearing in pursuit of some unusual specimen. Dad eventually made himself into a wildlife rehabilitation expert. In the mid-70s, he tended and returned to the wild a succession of injured and orphaned birds, including three baby screech owls, a red-shouldered hawk, a pied-billed grebe, and a common loon. He kept detailed notes and photographs of these projects in a bound red volume. The Red Book, as we call it, contains the story of a family of owls affected by organophosphate poisoning due to the ingestion of pesticides. The two adults died. My dad collected the baby owls, though, and along with my mother, cared for them for the next several months, feeding them mealworms and shreds of raw beef. He finally released them on August 22, 1975, on a night Dad described in the book as full moon, no wind, very quiet, sort of misty had been raining heavily in the afternoon. The Owl Project was the longest in duration, but some of my dad's other rehab efforts were equally vigorous and ingenious. For an injured nighthawk, for example, he fashioned a spring-loaded traction system using a snap swivel, a tubular tangle guard, pulleys, and a handmade bridle. He created a mini estuary in our garage for the injured loon, complete with plastic wading pool, heat lamp, and sandy beach area, and fed the creature with shrimp and tiny fish we hauled out of Taylor Lake in a seining net each evening. My father's environmental interests affected the rest of the family too, as my mom, my sister, and I were all expected to contribute to the cause. I was more interested in baseball than birds, but I fed the owls and snakes when dad was out of town and paddled a canoe when we brought visitors on a tour of the nearby Armand Bayou Nature Center. Though my mom and dad have passed away, their influence remains. I'm a Sierra Club member. I've hiked Big Bend, biked in the Cascades, and swum in Loch Ness. I vote for whichever candidate seems to care most about the planet. I try to keep the environmental faith my parents forged in the shadow of the Gulf Coast's petrochemical plants all those years ago. Occasionally, I hear suggestions that the space program diverts attention from the importance of taking care of our home here on Earth. One lesson I take from the life of Bruce McCandless II is that dedication to space exploration doesn't require neglect of life down here. An aerospace engineer who was fascinated by the streamlined strength and secret life of hawks he demonstrated a hundred times that curiosity is not an either-or issue. It's both and, space and earth, Arcturus and Armand Bayou. It's fine to look up on a clear night and marvel at the wheels of light in the sky and all the worlds that exist deep in the darkness. But sometimes, too, it's important to envision looking the other way, from out there, 
Imagine gazing at Earth's paper-thin layer of atmosphere and its sapphire seas and the white drifts of water vapor casting their shadows on the globe. Amazing, right? Now wave at yourself and walk out under the whispering stars, proud inheritor of this wonderful world you're taking care of. There are miracles to muse on, whichever way you look.